Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Welcome to Friday or Wednesday on Brown and Lawhead. I'm John Browner, joined by, as always, my co-host, comedian extraordinaire, well-traveled center's helper, none other than Jason Lawhead. And we are bringing you the fun in sports radio. It's the Christmas season on the Mightier 1090 ESPN here. And if you want to do us a huge Christmas stocking stuffer, like, share, and subscribe to the show, whether it be via YouTube or whether it be via iTunes podcast. And also hit up the Kaplan and Crew merch store and order you some merch, man, because, you know, it all goes to the John Brown League of Defense Fund. So <laughs> it's always good. What's up, Jason? What up, man? I'm still I'm still jolly. Not not feeling great today. A little, 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 little kind of maybe scratchy throat. I don't know. I hope that's Uh-oh. nothing. But, you know, other than that, feeling feeling jolly and, uh, you know, um, and yeah, it's great Christmas season, especially in San Diego. They got a big old Xander Bogarts wrapped in a bow, and uh, mm-hmm. hopefully uh, that gift is the gift that keeps on giving. So we, if you've been following the show this week, we've been talking about very interesting Christmas things. We did our favorite Christmas movie yesterday, which mm-hmm. then got me to thinking about today, and I stumbled upon something that I, it happened in my childhood, and I, I completely forgot about it, but then we got this going, so then I remembered it. But don't worry, we'll get to some sports. We'll talk about the Lakers last night. Is that a good sign or not? I think I'm going to unload on Draymond Green, and Jason might do the same. And then we're going to cover some of the NFL weekend games. But we're going to, first and foremost, I want to ask a question to you, Jason. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite holiday song? Ooh, that's a good one. I'm more of a movie guy when it comes to holiday themes. But, you know, I will say this. I For some reason, I always loved uh, the... Uh, Elvis version, oh, 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 blue Christmas, because I like doing the impression of Elvis without you. And then uh, I, I do. So I, I I think probably off the top of my head, because that was kind of a surprise question. Um, I'd say that one. And then I actually like the one that they tried to like cancel a couple years ago from a, a long time ago. Baby, it's cold outside. I really must go. Oh, you know, like try, make, try making song? it like it was some like sexual assault song uh, uh baby it's cold outside i really must go he, and he's trying to get her to stay you know have another drink and she's like and he goes but it's cold outside you know and she he's trying to get her to stay we've had a lot of fun and they tried to make that sound like first off it was like written around like world war ii or 1950 or something and so but then they tried to and it was funny because if you uh, there's a comedian named Tom Cod, a really funny guy, and he's got this great bit about how that song got canceled. And when they canceled that song at the time, they were like, yeah, this needs to be off the radio. This isn't a good theme. It was when uh, WAP wet you know, <laughs> was number yeah. one in the country. And then he does this bit where he reads the lyrics. He goes, OK, let's let's just read this one that was written in 1950. Baby, it's cold outside. I really must go. No, just one more. Baby, it's cold outside. I had a great time, but baby, it's cold outside. And then he goes over to her <laughs> lyrics and he reads like the first three lines and it's just all this filthy stuff. He's like, but that was number one in the country when they canceled this. But I like, I'm an old, uh, I'm an old school guy. I like a lot of the Nat King Cole stuff, you know, and and those old school uh, artists that sang those old ballads. But I would have to say Blue Christmas by Elvis Presley. As a black child, I was raised around some of the more uh, questionable Christmas mm-hmm. songs. Uh, I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus by the Jackson 5. It's a great song. That is. 
But I got to tell you, man, Backdoor Santa is by far my favorite Christmas song. Backdoor Santa. How's that go again? Now, if <laughs> what I need you to do right now is mute your microphone, go to your phone, and YouTube Backdoor Santa. If you listen to Backdoor Santa by Clarence Carter, and if you know anything about Clarence Carter, the guy who made it, I'd be stroking. This is a, the song was made in 1968. And when I was a kid, my uncle would play Backdoor Santa because he thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And so therefore, <clears throat> Backdoor Santa became one of my favorite Christmas songs. Oh, that's the song that Run DMC sample for C Christmas Night in Hollis, Queens. That's the same music. Okay, I didn't know what it was at first. I'm I'm, I'm going to go back to mute for a second because I want to listen. So so tell the tell the uh, listeners a little bit more of the history of this song. So the lyrics, so Backdoor Santa is basically about a man who goes around sleeping with other people's women. <laughs> That's literally the gist of the song because he comes in, Santa comes down the chimney, he goes in the back door, so therefore he calls himself Backdoor Santa. It's awesome. It, it's just hilarious. It's a great, funny song for Christmas. Like, I, I, I don't necessarily get into the whole Mariah Carey, Nat King Cole. I'm not really, I'm not really fond of that. But this, this, I love me a good backdoor song. You know what? You just you just found me a new favorite song. Because <laughs> I, I swear to God, I was just listening to that on mute while you were talking. And the I, right, I, I knew that Run DMC had sampled an old song, but I could you know, I just, I knew Christmas Time in Hollis, Queens, and that is a great right. Christmas song as well. It but is they, a great, great They Christmas. do use that, they use that beat. That's the beat they use, which is that old legendary song. I was just listening to it. And Dude, that's hilarious. That's Dude, a great that, song. Uh, uh, that's a that's a cool beat, whether it was Christmas or not. That's just a cool right. beat and the voice. Um, so yeah, uh, Clarence Carter is my new is my new. You you just replaced Elvis because uh, Elvis stole from black artists anyway. So let's just exactly be about that. So uh, in there the we season go. in the season of giving, he took uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, play that for your wife and tell me what you think. First oh, of all, yeah. play it and see if she's ever heard it before. Yeah, that'll be interesting if she's ever heard that or if she knew the knowledge. She's got an old soul, my wife, and, you know, my wife's half black, so she's got some black history and then knows mm -hmm. a lot of stuff about all kinds of old history. So I'm going to be curious to know if she knew that song or at least knew that that song was what Run DMC sampled um, Christmas Time in Hollis, Queens after. But, yeah, 1968 is what yeah, I'm yeah. seeing. Yeah, back yeah. there, Stan Clarence Carter. What a great voice he had, too. Clarence Carter was a great singer who sung some of the most perverted songs That's in the history hilarious. at a time when you were not supposed to do that. Mm -mm. So it's awesome. Uh, he, well, he, hey, he, thanks for the thanks for the new favorite. Hey, hey, you know, uh -huh. it's the season. It's the season of giving. Yeah, Share that gave, song. I just like ripped that open just now and then got a new yeah. gift. That's awesome, bro. Share that song, man. Between that and Trading Places being a Christmas movie, yeah. people are learning things on this show. Love it. A little mistletoe, little mistletoe for the listener. Mm-hmm. Last night, the Lakers gave out no mistletoes. They gave out bah humbug. They were mm -hmm. handing out coal. And not J. Cole either, just literal coal. I don't – if you – first of all, I got to give the Lakers credit, though. That was the best game I've watched so far this year, and I think I've watched over 100 games up until this point in the season. I cannot tell you why they can't play like that every night against lesser opponents where it would actually be easier to do that. But for LeBron James and Anthony Davis, 
to give out that kind of effort for them to make a 30, I think it was a 30 to five or some level of run of that sort in the second half to take over a game where the Celtics had been on fire from three pretty much the entire game only to give it all back. And Jason Tatum outplay everybody in the Laker uniform down the stretch. I guess for me, if you're the Lakers and you play that good on defense, you need to win that game. I I, I understand how hard you played it. And I don't, I don't want to hear people giving Anthony Davis a hard time for missing those free throws. We all understand you got to make them, but without them, you wouldn't have been in that position. But last night's game by the Lakers, is that a good sign of the way things turned out or is that a bad sign for you? Well, I don't know if it's a good sign um, because, you know, they trailed heavily for a long time in that game, right? right. And and they were giving a lot of defensive effort. Now, that defensive effort, the good is the best part of that game, I think, I think it even kind of touched on it for a second there, is that they were committed to the defensive effort throughout the whole game. Boston was hot early. Lakers were still given defensive effort. Boston was hot yeah. early. Boston has a lot. You know, you know, Boston is what, what last night showed me was the difference in just how much better Boston is at both ends of the floor over a course of the game, no matter how good Davis plays, no matter how good LeBron plays. I mean, Westbrook plays a good game. You get 90 points from those three guys at home, 90 points Ooh. from those three guys. Uh, 14 rebounds from Westbrook, darn near a triple-double from LeBron. I think he had nine and nine in the other two st statistical categories. And that was probably, I would say, I mean, look, I haven't watched every Laker game. Obviously, they played at a high level in the bubble together. Correct. But in my opinion, from what I've watched over the course of LeBron's Laker career, that was probably the most complete regular season game he's played since he was a Cavalier. Um at both ends of the floor, locked in, engaged. He was playing really good help defense. I mean, he was getting into passing lanes. He was leading as a defensive player, and that turned his his offensive game up, right? And so, but you blow a 13-point lead with four minutes to go. That should have been a game where they they stayed the course. They kept giving defensive effort. The defensive effort eventually caught up to them and rewarded them in that third end of the third beginning mm -hmm. of the fourth quarter spurt. But here we go back to the problem. Closing the games. And, you know, when the minutes stack up on Davis and LeBron, you know, they just don't have closing lineups around them. And I think that's where the difference is. I think Boston was, Boston was not having a good road trip. Okay, no, coming out here. So, so this was a game where it wasn't like you, 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 you went up and and you know knocked somebody off that was playing such great basketball. Now they played great basketball throughout the season, but this road trip they weren't playing very good. And then you give up a thirteen point lead down the stretch, four and a half minutes to go, and then obviously overtime, um, just like the Sixers game on the road, they get exposed as being the team that just they just don't have kind of that closing the teams aren't scared i mean as good as lebron and ad can play the teams aren't scared of them down the stretch i think also a lot of people are they're missing they're missing a fine point in this game where anthony davis had more points anthony davis got outplayed by Jalen brown 
And I think that the idea of, oh, because Tatum had 44, that's why the Celtics won. That played a large part in it. But the undertone of that game was Jalen Brown getting 15 rebounds and five assists and three steals and yes. 25 points. That's something that when you look, when you are going down the box score and you're watching that, and you're also watching that game, Jalen Brown's more complete effort on the backboard and on the defensive end of the game really made me kind of, I, I, I would say I was shocked by him getting 15 rebounds, but him being able to out-rebound Anthony Davis just shows he had more activity. Jason Tatum outplayed LeBron James. Hell, and he outplayed Anthony Davis. So if, the, if your best two players don't outdo the best two players on the other team, when your best two players get 33 and 37, is that is that good or bad? I think last night it was a bad sign for the Lakers. Yeah, like I said, I don't think it's a good sign. I think there's a couple of things that they can be, you know, uh, excited about. If that was a win, boy, they could be really excited, yes, right? Absolutely. You could sit there and go, wow, you know, we put it together. We gave defensive effort all game. We didn't roll over because they were hot when we were trying to play good defense. Right. And we just kind of went, well, you know, when we, we ain't stayed engaged, but then down the stretch of karma. And, and here's a good point. You make a great point, right? Jalen Brown, you say, like you say, he, he, you know, he gets the 15 rebounds. Here's the worst stat of the game, in my opinion. Anthony Davis, not only is he a minus eight in those 46 minutes, 46 minutes, he's a minus eight. So the two minutes that, you know, they're off, he's off the court, they're, they're a plus four. But what I don't like is 46 minutes, one personal foul. He committed a foul. I mean, you got to be, you know, Jalen Brown. What did Jalen Brown finish with? Four fouls. Tatum only committed a foul, but he plays great perimeter defense. Activity. And, 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 and Los Angeles doesn't really give you a threat out on the perimeter, right? Of course, no, um, no. But, you know, you look at, you know, you look at LeBron. LeBron had four fouls. And LeBron, a lot of times lately in the last few years, he's a one or two foul guy because he's not engaging on defense. That shows you that LeBron was really active. engaging was on defense. Last night. He was active. He was in passing lanes. He was in great help. You know, he was always helping on defense. He was going to the boards as well with those nine rebounds. And so, you know, you commit four fouls. You got to get more fouls from Anthony Davis. And I'm not saying, like, go out and hack guys and make dumb right. fouls. But 46 minutes, one foul. Biggest guy on the court, and Jalen Brown's out there getting 15 rebounds. That that that's an equate. That's that that that's telling. It doesn't add up against an undersized Celtics team. That exactly. Go after him. You know, mm -hmm. push him around. Uh, you know, send a statement or two. Put a guy to the deck or two coming to the heart, the whole hard. I mean, you know. Are you afraid to get hurt if you foul somebody? I mean, are you so afraid to get hurt when you get fouled that you won't even foul somebody? I mean, 46 minutes, one foul from a guy that's, you know, that is supposed to be that active and was right. because he scored 37 points. So I, I, I'm watching, I'm watching that game, by the way, again, one of the, if not the best game you will see all year, the best game I've seen so far this year was that game. And just to have the outcome to lose a game like that in a season that the Lakers have had after beating the Bucs handily, by the way, and AD having a great game doing that, you follow that up by giving one away against the Sixers, then you give one away against Indiana, and then you now you I, – I would say you gave this one away too because after a comeback like that, you take the lead after the Celtics dominated the first half of the game. You got to bring that home. 
Yeah. You got to bring that home. And it is the best game they've played in the sense that, you know, usually it's the third and fourth quarters are just um, are, are the telling tale. This team held the Celtics to 45 points in the second half, excluding the don't not counting the overtime. 45 points in the second half is the best, you know, against a top tier team, the best team in the league right now, record wise. And that is by far. It was, especially since the bubble, you're probably the best team defensive effort collectively that they've given. So right there, bright spot, but is it, is it a great sign? I'm not sure because if they give that such a great effort there and they're getting these kind of numbers from those big three guys and they can't close out a win at home and they're up 13 with four yeah. minutes to play, that's, that's a bad sign. Another bad sign. And I, I just gotta, I gotta get to this is, Last night, Draymond Green had a fan eject. I'm going to show you guys kind of what how it went. Draymond Green, I'm going to try to rewind this here. Draymond, Draymond Green ejected last night during the Bucks game because an exchange that he had. If you for people who can't see, I'm going to tell you the score is 59 to 81 with six minutes left in the third quarter. Golden State's behind. Draymond Green is the softest tough guy. I've ever seen in the history of the NBA. This is the guy who sucker punched a teammate and now has the audacity to have his feelings hurt because according to Draymond, this guy threatened Draymond's life. And Draymond says, oh, I got kids and I, we just can't have that at a basketball game. Well, Draymond, if you find yourself in a legit back and forth with another man who paid to come watch you play, if you engage him with profanity, if you engage him with disrespect, bro, you can't have that man thrown out. Mm -mm. What he going to do to you? What he going to do to you? Huh? Ain't nobody ever ran on no court at Draymond Green. Hey, this idea that Draymond could have that guy thrown out shows you how thin-skinned he truly is for a guy who barks so loud, but clearly his bite is minimal, if any at all. Exactly. You know, you ought to be worrying about is Bobby Portis Jr., what he's doing to you. Right. How about worrying about how you're getting abused uh, in that game defensively? Um, you know, you're supposed to be this great, you know, Hall of Fame type defender. You're going to put oh. gonna, people trying to classify this guy as one of the greatest defenders. And I'm not I saying think. he's a bad defender, but like, you know, you go into a game like that between the ears, you let a Bobby Portis and, and guys like that dominate. And and and, and, Lopez. You, and and you're over there worrying about some guy, what some guy's saying in the front row, and you're second right. row, by the way. It's Whatever. even worse. This is the second, the second row. row. Yeah, you got to look over the top of somebody. He's right. almost like you're look, almost like you're searching for it. Correct. Um, and he's doing no favors. This Golden State team, you know, this None. Golden State team. I really think they they got rolling and they won, and in spite of him last year. Um, mm -hmm. he didn't play a great final. I mean, he didn't play a great finals against Boston. He had one good game, a big game late in the series. Um, when I think Boston knew that they were kind of beat and outmatched at the guards position, they just knew as, as that series went from two to one to three to two, uh, getting to three to two, they just knew that they were just, they did that, you know, with pool coming off the bench, the Warriors were just better at the guard play. And that was going to be the, the tone of the series. But this year, he's really he's really hurting this team's ability to get out of the block. 
Yes. And he's surprised, you know, it's one thing to, you start bad, you got the hangover, you got to try to figure things out, but to have, then to have this just albatross hanging it all over you and making it harder and harder. Yeah. And you're starting the season with, you know, decking a teammate who was, you know, if, if he was like in a, almost an assistant MVP of that series last year for you. Um, I mean, there, it's time to move on from Draymond Green, in my opinion. By the way, I think they know it too. Mm-hmm. I, I literally think that they are. You can tell gonna, the vibe because there's Steph no way technical losing control. Like there's a vibe that he's bringing to that team that is, if, you know, he's helping if, beat them as much as the opponent is. If they had any intention on moving forward with Draymond Green after everything he's meant to them, they would have already signed him. Mm-hmm. But they chose to sign Poole and not Draymond Green because I think the front office and I also think Steve Kerr are looking around going, we can't give this guy another large contract. No way. No, 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 no. We got to let him go. But, but y'all got to go. But please come back because we got to go to commercial. Brown and Lawhead, we're going to take a break. We'll come right back here. And I got a, a question about money. Brown and Lawhead, Miter mm-hmm. 290 ESPN. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Brown and Lawhead here on the Mighty 1090 ESPN. As always, if you liked anything that you missed, or if you, if you missed anything, or you like what you heard, you can always head up to iTunes and the iTunes podcast store, along with YouTube. Like, share, and subscribe that thing to the Brown and Lawhead podcast. Uh, we talked about the Lakers losing being a good sign or a bad sign, and we also talked about Backdoor Santa, which is the greatest Christmas song of all time. You guys should check that out. Uh, we also talked about Draymond Green getting a fan ejected. So, again, you can head over and find that on the things I described, described before. But there's some big news happening in baseball. A lot of money's being handed out. And I got I want to ask Jason this question. If I tell my fan base I'm trying to sign Aaron Judge, and then Aaron Judge gets signed for almost $400 million because the fan base knew I had $400 million to give him. As a general manager, are you still obligated to spend that $400 million? I think it's, I mean, obligated. That's, a, that's an interesting word. But I think there's an expectation that you've got to be in an, in that number. You know, if it isn't going to be that, it's got to be something. There's got to be some offers and it's got to be some figures and there's got to be a, a, a need that you're trying to fill if you missed out on the one guy or, or whoever. And, and, uh, or if you're going to match, if you're another franchise and you're trying to match what another franchise is trying to do. And yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, it, to just spend it to spend it? No, but if, you know, there's a need to be filled and you, you've you already been playing around with that kind of money in, in offers and you, you swung and missed with this guy or that guy, then there might be another guy. Then, yeah, I think, I think the fans, I think the media, I think the pressure is there to say at least, you know, come close to what that figure was. I, on the other hand, totally disagree with that. Carlos Correa, and we're having this conversation because Carlos mm-hmm. Correa just signed a 13-year, $350 million deal with the San Francisco Giants, who famously this offseason were supposed to be the only other competition for Aaron Judge. Now, Aaron Judge is a better baseball player than Carlos Correa. I don't think many people will argue that. 
I think Carlos Correa had a good year. And Carlos Correa was a part of the cheating championship team who he wasn't the best player. He wasn't the second best player. He probably wasn't the third best player. And now they found the guy on that exact same team who now may be the best player who replaced him. So when you're at this point in free agency and you're the Giants and you've told your fan base, we're going to make a big splash with Aaron Judge. You now told them you have money to spend. That doesn't mean you have to spend it. I think they're in a they're in a position where a lot of NBA teams get during free agency, where if you're let's say the let's say you are the Washington Wizards mm-hmm. and you've got a ton of money to spend in free agency, or you're the or you're in the NFL and you're the Carolina Panthers and you got a ton of money to spend in free agency. The first option you want, nah, we didn't get him. The second option we get, nah, we didn't get him. You don't pay the third option. Damn it what you would have paid the first option because you're dropping in talent. What the San Francisco Giants did, they may, they will come out in a press conference and say, Carlos Correa is the guy who they wanted, and we felt like the, he's going to be the cornerstone of this organization for a long time to come. The Giants don't traditionally spin like the Yankees or the Dodgers or now apparently the Padres. And so if you're a fan base and you're looking up at your best signing being Carlos Correa. We spent that money bad. We really did. Yeah, the 13 years, it's amazing that these guys, agents, are getting these guys to contracts to 40, 41 years old. You know, um, good, bad, or indifferent, whatever you think about it. But I mean, that's you know. the going rate. So at the back end of this, I don't really have a problem with it. If if it were me, I would front load these contracts for when these guys are actually going to be productive. And on year 11, 12, 13, that contract's worth six or seven million dollars, and doesn't hurt me in the end. I'm a up, yeah. I'm a I'm a front loaded guy. I'm not a back loaded guy. Well, of course, especially when you're 27 years old like he is. But you know, I think. At the end of the day, they're probably looking at the value because, you know, you say, you know, the, the Astros cheating scandal, his best years were those few years when they were, you know, um, kind of being looked at under the microscope. And now, right. right? Um, I think probably their value, they see this guy as, you know, a postseason stalwart, right? They see this guy as a... We build a team that can get us to the postseason. He's 28 when we get him, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34. Those years in there, um, you know, uh, maybe that money doesn't, maybe, you know, regular season and statistics, uh, you know, from what he's, you know, averages per, per season as far as batting average, home runs, RBIs. When you look at that, you might go, wow, that's a ton of money for a guy that just puts up these kind of numbers. He's a career but, 279 hitter. Right. And you right. gave him 350 million. That's the fourth highest salary, not right. per year, but as a whole, the fourth highest salary in baseball. Yeah. But I think that money is, they're looking at that money saying, our responsibility is to put a, a playoff team on the field. And if we get to the playoffs, this is where this guy is better. He's better in postseason, at least statistically, when you measure it against. Okay, you're only p- playing against the best teams all the time with the best pitching staff. It isn't every, you know, it isn't every, the everyday schmo. So he does elevate his career. Uh, his career postseason is is 272, but that's good for postseason. When you look at, you know, the division series, he he's you know, this is American League, obviously, 
but he's feasted in the in the division series. He's had he's been a steady uh, all, all American League series championship series guy and World Series. Everybody's numbers goes down. That's when you're facing the best pitching. But he's come right. up. He's had big hits. He's had big hits and he's been hot as you know um, the sun in the early parts of that postseason. That you know because you you can't get to the World Series or win it if you don't get out of the first round or second round. So he is a big big bat. And when you look at his postseason history um he he d- has delivered but he's delivered in a in a lineup with a, a ton of guys around him protecting him and getting and him that's not going to be in san francisco it's not going to be in san francisco so um it's a monster contract and 13 years i mean these these the lengths of these contracts these days is what really boggles my mind money not so much we've seen money just grows and grows and grows yeah. in every sport it gets it gets offensive in every sport but the way these guys are pulling off these 11, 12, 13 year deals, I mean, obviously Trout was kind of the trendsetter there, but not everybody's Mike Trout, you know, not everybody's a five tool player that can, you know, either hit lead off or hit third, fourth or fifth. If you have power. On. Yeah. And, and play the field the way he does and run the bases the way he does. And, you know, he, he's that kind of a guy with the throw hit field, you know, and like I said, he could lead off for you or he could hit cleanup for you. Um, so those guys aren't always around. So the fact that these long contracts are just, you know, um, starting to go to the just kind of the average good player, not the judge and the trout. Uh, I mean, what Otani's going to get 20 years. Now, of course, now uh, there's an up and down to this because I believe all these massive contracts that have been given out, they've all actually worked out. With the exception of Albert Pujols, which wasn't a 13-year deal. It was just a high-value deal money-wise year to year. But the Trout contract, it worked out. Yeah, I mean, I mean he missed some games, and they're not winning. The, so there's a it worked out in the sense that he's a great player, and he was not a bust for sure. No. Also. But you're not seeing him in the postseason. Also, the the Tatis the, the contract. I believe that's going to work out. That's a good contract, especially from right. when you gave it to him and what you got in it. And uh, because the nice thing is, is if he isn't the guy, it's a it's a very tradable contract. Or if he's not the guy that fits in and he doesn't, you know, play well with others in, in the new situation, if Bogarts is the shortstop, all that kind of stuff, he's still a young stud, valuable contract that can be traded away in a heartbeat if it had to come to that. Or if he does play well with other and gets in that lineup and delivers, then it's a it's a beautiful contract. Because for me, I honestly believe the guys who are getting this money, the because uh, Acuna got his money really early. He got a mm-hmm. long hundred two hundred million dollar deal. I think it was one thirty at the time, if I remember correctly. Tatis got a long ten year deal. Machado got his deal cut in half because he opted out after five years. But when you were looking at these guys with these contracts. Most of the time, that's just the going rate. It's just the going rate. So if I'm going to pay him, if I'm going to pay him, I don't want to handicap myself while paying him. If I'm going to pay Carlos Correa this kind of money, I'm just going to give you $50 million right out of the gate because this is when you'll be productive. And therefore, when you fall off the map, I'm not still giving you $27 million to be a DH that hits every other day. Same thing for the Tatis contract. Tatis is 22. Soto's 23. By the time right. these guys get done with 15-year deals, 
that's their career. Because right. I think Soto's going to get a 15-year, $400 million, $500 million deal. Well, when you look at it, I'm looking at it right now. Tatis has the longest contract in baseball history. Currently, he's a, he his current contract is a 14-year deal. Correa is at 13 years. Harper's at 13 years. And um, Giancarlo Stanton is on a 13-year deal carried over from the Marlins original contract, right? That's that's already So So then Trey Turner just signed 11. Bogarts just signed 11. And so, you know, you sit here and you look at all these double-digits contract. The first double-digit contract ever – was Alex Rodriguez. He was the first 10-year deal. First guy to ever be committed to 10 years. Yes. And then uh, now you've got, look at the names that you have here. I just mentioned them. Lindor's at 10 years now. Correa, 13. Judge signed a nine-year deal. Mookie Betts is on a 12-year deal. Trout's on a 12-year deal. Uh, Tatis, as I said. So um, Corey Seager's on a 10-year deal with the Rangers. Manny Machado's on a 10-year deal. Uh, You know, so and there it is. That's the end until you get back down to Alex Rodriguez, which was the first original 10 year deal. So it's only going to keep doing it. That's what shocks me is the amount of years these teams are. Most of these teams are committing to now for players, not just Judge or Trout. They're committing to Correa. They're committing to Seager. They're committing to uh, Trey Turner at, at double digit years. It's insane. And I don't I, I... All this, all this, all this has to cap at some point, and this has been my argument with. Does baseball. it? We said. I think. I, I think we all said that after the after the Abrod contract. Well, you'll never. I mean, that was an employee boy, and then Texas had to pay New York to take him. And but now it's just like, yeah, he's over Carlos Correa, thirteen. But at that at that time, the Yes Network, the Yankees were the only network that were basically printing their own money at the time. Now, Nesson is with uh, the Red Sox. Sure. The, right. The, and that's uh, why Artie Moreno could, could f- afford all that money when people correct. were like, how does he pay Hamilton? How does he pay Hulhos? How does he pay Judge? Well, because it's the TV money. And so the TV money will ceiling out. It'll top out because it has to. The, 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 the law of averages, everything hits the ceiling. It just That's just the way, almost curse. That's the way things work. <laughs> and so... At some point, players are going to start getting the short end of the stick of this. Because, again, baseball, as much as we think everything goes up in value, as an owner, you don't make money really until you sell the team. Yeah. So, I don't – I don't I – You don't know the most like important this. guys in baseball, actually, for a team, if you're going to be successful and, and take it all the way, really, at the end of the day, the most important guys on a baseball roster are is that – bullpen is that is that bullpen is how good is your bullpen how deep how good how strong is your bullpen and these are the guys getting paid the least <laughs> i mean on a, when you look at the big stars right you have well, yeah, big arms course, like a garrett cole you got big arms like a or you got the big bats like a bryce harper and, and these guys all have to contribute sure but when it comes down to the nitty-gritty and it gets to playoff time it's do you have five guys in the pen that you can just go to every single night in the postseason and make sure they get you out? And Two people most do. of those guys aren't getting paid. Nobody has since the Royals, the Kansas City Royals won the World Series. I've never seen a bullpen like that before, and I haven't seen a bullpen like that after. You literally just had to get them the ball mm-hmm. by the fifth inning, and the game was over. 
Well, as great like as the over. Houston Astros lineup has been, that bullpen is really their nuts and bolts. So, you know, why, why, why can't the Yankees win? They got no bullpen. Speaking of what somebody don't got, we don't got no more time for that. Mm-hmm. We got time for this NFL schedule, though. Tomorrow, Seahawks 49ers. I think this will be the <laughs> – we're going to go over some of these games because there's a lot of them. There's Saturday games now along with the Sunday game. Mm-hmm. And I love, the Saturday, night I love games. the Saturday games. So – Tomorrow night, you're going to watch San Francisco play Seattle. And I think this will be the pumpkin game for Geno Smith. It's already kind of coming to an end. And I think it will officially come to an end of the idea that this guy is a starter or he's a frontline starter or that this guy has anything to do with anything going forward as a franchise quarterback. Because I think he's going to get silenced by that San Francisco defense because they've silenced almost everybody so far this year. Yeah. I mean, this is their season. This is Seattle's whole season right here. Yeah. Right here tomorrow night. San Francisco, I mean, if, you know, they could afford to lose that game, I don't think they will. Like you said, I think defensively, I think they have tons of confidence in Purdy. I think he has tons of confidence in, in himself and everybody around the ball. But this is this is Seattle's whole season and a, and a season where they felt like most of it was, hey, we're going to get there. We're the little train that could. Mm-hmm. Well, the little train is about to go off the tracks. And um, so this is their whole season, but I, I still think San Francisco wins it. I think regardless of what has happened this year, Seattle would have had a successful season sure. because they still will. Ha- they still might have the second pick in the draft because sure. of Russell Wilson, the gift that keeps on giving. And they're not paying uh, him. Right. Saturday, the Colts Vikings game is a no whatever. <laughs> and then you got Baltimore and Cleveland, which this Ugh. may be a bigger game for Baltimore than it is for Cleveland. Because no Lamar Jackson again, and this is the third game for uh, uh, Deshaun Watson, who looked better last game, and I'm expecting him to look a lot better this game because I'm expecting him to progressively get better each game. There are no more big games for Cleveland. There are only big games for Deshaun Watson. Correct. Uh, This Uh, is a huge game for Baltimore. You're right. Miami-Buffalo. Here is another one where the clock may be ran out. The clock might run out on Tua. If he can't, I don't listen. I don't care how good Buffalo's defense is. I don't care how good Buffalo is. Miami has to win this game. Has to. They have to. Because you're now, you'll be looking at your third loss in a row and your third game where if Tua doesn't play good, you don't win. And so now the, the fire starts all over again of do they have the right quarterback? Is this their Arizona Cardinals moment? Because to, Saturday will will tell you, because even if, if they can't win Saturday, even if they make the playoffs, they'll be that Arizona team last year going into the playoffs. That's you, what they you, will be. You, you backed in, you barely got in, and when you did get in, you got blown out in yes. your game that you is, played. Is this so. going to be the 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 Arizona Cardinals moment from last year, or are they going to be able to win and play a little strong going out? Uh, Philadelphia, Chicago, it matters to no one. Is but Fields me. there? I'm hearing Fields. They may. They may. He's playing. No, he's he, playing. okay. He's I, I'm hearing he they may just save him and and. Nah. Uh, he didn't practice today. He's sick. Okay. The Bears, the Bears need to start developing a winning culture. To me, the draft pick is irrelevant. I, it, it'll be in the top 10, but it's more important that you establish a winning culture with this quarterback who has shown you he's the guy. Well, you just want to get more on tape because the most important position, you have that figured out. Now, every pick on down, you can find in the fifth round, in the sixth round, in the third round, you can find guys. So you have the main guy. Now you're just looking to plug the other holes, which they have a lot of. This might be a game where I go, hey, Justin, let's be smart. Let, let's just don't get a lot killed. Of against, don't get killed against this team. We know you're the guy. Nobody right. else is on this team. We know let's you go are. Go down. 
just go slide, go down, don't just, be a hero. Or just, you know what, we're, we're going to let you play the first half, and if this thing is what Philadelphia is doing to everybody else, just, we're, don't don't take offense to it, but we're gonna, we don't want to kill you because you're the only guy we hit. got. Okay, uh, let's see. Atlanta, New Orleans, no one cares. Uh, Detroit and New York, the Jets mm. against the Lions has turned into an interesting game as well. Uh, Pittsburgh, Carolina, n- no. Dallas, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, this is a big game. No, you're gonna. I'm gonna tell you the uh, okay. reason why. Carolina, watch out. They they can slip around the really? uh, the back end the way Tampa Bay's playing. So Tampa's got to play Cincinnati. The way Tampa's played against anybody lately, even in some of their wins, and the way Cincinnati's playing against everybody. If Tampa loses this game. All of a sudden, Carolina at home against a, a wounded Pittsburgh with Trubisky coming in. I mean, Ugh. you might find the Carolina Panthers, after everything they've been through, three quarterbacks, trading Christian McCaffrey, they might come around the outside and win that pathetic division. Ugh. Big game for Carolina. Uh, Huge game for Carolina. Kansas City, Houston, no one cares. Nope. Arizona, Denver, no one cares. New England, Las Vegas, no one really cares. Big one for the Chargers. Tennessee against the Chargers. We'll we'll say we'll let this be our last one. I I honestly believe if the Chargers win this game, they will be a they will make the playoffs. Of course, but this I think is this a huge is, game for them. This is massively important for a team that crushes you with the run, a team that struggles against the run. Exactly right. After showing up last week to fit in the pass well, when Miami just for whatever reason stopped running, Tennessee and, won't stop running. And Tennessee hasn't needed a win this bad in a long time. Right. Mm-hmm. And they know the formula is getting Derrick Henry to ball, keeping the clock in their hands. So if if the Chargers can't stop the run, I mean, everybody just thinks, oh, the Chargers are playing well. They're going to get Tennessee's limping in. Well, if Derrick Henry gets his 35 carries and the time of possession clock is, you know, 35 to 25 or something like that. And Herbert doesn't have a ball enough. That could be a this could be a game where they get bit in the butt. We'll see you guys next week. Monday it is. Merry Christmas. Continue the season. Jason Lawhead. John Browner. (laughs) Till next time. Mighty Tonight ESPN. Peace.